Welcome to Super Together. It's the podcast where a couples therapist and a life coach and snorkel maintenance specialist today talk about how to be better at our relationships. So I'm Ginger Rothis. I'm the life coach and James likes to pick titles for me. Today it's a snorkel maintenance specialist, which sounds like a COVID dangerous job. And with me is James Cochran, the couples therapist. So each week we talk through a topic and see what it has to teach us about cultivating more authentic relationships. So James, do you have a story about our topic today? I hope so, um, because we're trying out some of these new um, segments to add a little bit of polish to our to our show. Um, and if I'm not sounding like I have a story at the ready, it's because I don't. But I do want to tell a story that um, I think embodies the topic. So our topic today is about the past and how our um, old patterns of behavior, the ways that we've shown up in relationships in the past, how those arrive in our relationships in the present. Um, And the story that comes to mind, and I may have even told it on this podcast before, but I was in high school, I was a sophomore, um, and there was this really fine lady named Lindsay. Um, she was also in high school. Um, and we went to a football game one time on a Friday night. It was at Blue Valley High School. Um, so it was an away game. Um, and I was standing next to her in the bleachers. And I um, reached out to grab her hand, to hold her hand. We had been dating for maybe like three or four weeks at this time. We had held hands before. It felt like it was a pretty normal and casual thing for me to do. And she said, no, thank you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Where did you think that was going? (laughs) I know. That's not where I thought it was going. So um, I like Lindsay. (laughs) Yeah. So that is how we... um, No, thank you. I think about the past and about the way that that event really shaped the way that I came to understand like PDA with Lindsay and and what she was comfortable with and what she wasn't comfortable with. And to be honest, like it also shaped my own kind of insecurity in the own, in the way that I, you know, felt like, Oh, does, does she like me? Is she comfortable with me? Mm -hmm. So there are times when to this day, even when we're in public and I'll put my arm around her or I'll reach out to hold her hand, that notion of the past and that particular story will still show up to inform, you know, how I feel about that particular interaction. So we chose this topic because I think that this is something we've seen come up in our work with some of the clients that we've done. Um, So there's a handful of questions that I think that we can work through. Um, But I'm curious, when you think of the way our past informs our present in our relationships, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One um, is kind of that, you know, inner child, kind of how we were treated mm. in relationships growing up and, and um, you know, what wounds are we bringing into the relationship that could easily get triggered? Like for me, I think I was always kind of this panicked inner child of trying to please everybody. And are you mm. happy with me? And am I doing the right things? And Um, Do you like me? And so I think when I first met Rob and we were dating long distance, that inner panic was kind of always going like, how is this going to work out? And are you, is this, is this worth it to you? Are you still engaged? You know, Mm -hmm. are you, are you in this for the long haul? And, you know, he would say things like, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't realize I had this inner panic going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think I brought that into the relationship of, 
you know, just kind of the anxious child that I was was showing up as an anxious adult. Um, so I've had to kind of learn and he's had to learn and we've worked through that. And then the other thing I that came to mind when you said the past was kind of what we bring like body shame even mm. into our relationships and especially around intimacy and like things that I see um, in some of the women in my practice, you know, they feel rejection from their husband and that turns into this whole body shame thing. And that's in past wound that's mm-hmm. getting, you know, kind of bumped up against now in in their relationships. And so those two things came to mind, kind of that inner child and the, you know, body shame or or issues from our past around intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that one of the lessons that I, I feel like, I don't know, all of us have to learn, but that I tried to guide couples through is doing their best to, at a minimum, separate the things that were true with Mm -hmm. the things that are true or that you want to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, now, those are are really hard to differentiate. I mean, we could, this podcast, this particular episode could fall under a really broad umbrella of like trauma mm-hmm. um, and the way that trauma shapes the way that we experience the world. Um, one of the most common examples that I give people when it comes to how trauma shows up in our lives is thinking about a combat veteran and fireworks. Mm-hmm. So a combat veteran is going to, let's say that they had um, a really harrowing experience associated with some kind of explosive um, that hurt people that they cared about. Um, So that is going to become hardwired in their brain in some really specific ways. So they're going to be thinking about, okay, I'm um, driving in a car. I am with my friends. It's nighttime. There's loud noises. There's bright lights. Um, and all of those things are sort of deeply associated with that really terrifying experience. Now, what happens if somebody is, um, you know, driving to a Um, kind of a drive-in fireworks show or something like that. Okay, so they're with their friends, they're driving, it's nighttime, there's Mm -hmm. bright lights, there's loud noises. All of those same pathways are starting to light up. And our brains have a really hard time differentiating between the one in which our lives are in mortal danger and the experience where we're actually completely safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that same thing to a maybe less extreme degree shows up in all of our relationships, shows Mm -hmm. up in the way that we... Um, you know, think about things like um, sexual violence, the way that we think about trauma, the Mm -hmm. way that we think about abuse and all those types of things. Um, Now that can have to do with former relationships. So one of the Mm -hmm. things you, I will Mm -hmm. hear a lot from people is it it feels like I'm paying for the sins of somebody in Mm -hmm. a previous, you know, relationship with you, Um, that your ex-boyfriend did things A, B, and C. And so now I'm having to be held to a different kind of standard uh, because you are concerned about those things happening Mm -hmm. again. Um, and then another element of it is, let's say, you know, a relationship goes through a prolonged season of disconnection for any number of reasons. Um, but there's, you know, 10 years where somebody is not invested in the relationship. They're not focusing on intimacy. They're not spending time with the family, all those types of things. Um, and then by the time they come to my office, they realize how important it is to do that. But their partner is not buying it. Their partner's like, well, you've been doing this incorrectly for 10 years. Why would I trust you to do it correctly all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. So that differentiation between, okay, um, the past is not the same thing as the present or, and it doesn't have to be the same thing as the future. Now I'm making a key distinction here between we differentiate it, but that doesn't necessarily mean we disconnect it. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are situations in which you want the past to inform your behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you, are required to allow your 
experience of the present to be directly defined by your experience of the past, then your options become more limited. Your capacity for individual flexibility becomes really shut down. Um, so that, that I think would be maybe step one is saying, okay, here is the past, here is the future, instead of our brain's inclination to just sort of throw everything in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the way I would ask myself that is what is true for me right now? Mm. What is true for my partner right now? And then realize I'm feeling uncomfortable with this or this is hard for me because this happened in my past. And so, yeah, I like what you're saying about differentiating and then naming it of um, what is true right in this moment and then why is this hard for me? Oh, because in the past, this is what happened, but that's not true with this person Mm -hmm. or right now. Yeah, I think that inner self-talk is so important and something that I find I teach a lot in in the realm of self-compassion and self-worth is how are you talking to yourself? What are you telling yourself about the situation or the circumstance you're in right now versus the circumstance or situation you were in in the past. And because we have to coach ourselves through those mm-hmm. moments and kind of realize it's happening. That's part of it is self-awareness. And and then what am I going to do with this triggering reaction that I'm having right now? Yeah. yeah. And I think that the the flip side of that coin is, so as comes up in probably every episode, we probably need to get t-shirts made that just say open and honest communication yes. because that is such an important mm-hmm. defining element of this. And so part of it is, okay, I recognize the parts of my story that are my past and the parts of my story that are my future mm-hmm. and or that are my present. Now I have to decide um, how do I need to accommodate for that in my presence, mm-hmm. or in my present, you know, based on how that's making me feel right now. Mm-hmm. So this may require some trigger warning. I, I'm going to have, I'm going to use an extended example about um, sexual assault and sexual trauma. So if that's not something that you want to hear about, uh, maybe skip forward um, a couple of minutes and then you can join us again. Um, but a lot of what I will see this particular issue with is when a couple comes in and one partner has endured some kind of sexual trauma and then that has some some bearing on their intimacy, their capacity to be intimate with each other, um, sexually intimate is what I mean. Um, now, when in one sense we would say, okay, well, let's just not have the past have any effect on the present and the future. Well, that's really hard mm-hmm. when you're talking about that deeply seated trauma, and especially if that work is ongoing or that work mm-hmm. hasn't been done yet, it can be really, really difficult to just flip a switch and say, okay, that was the past. I don't have to be worried about mm-hmm. you know the impact of the sexual trauma anymore. And so one of the things that I will invite couples to consider is, okay, how can you accommodate your partner's experience like up to the level of authenticity? Um, Which is basically a way of saying, you recognize that your partner has different kinds of safety needs because of their past, because Mm -hmm. of their story. Doesn't have anything to do with you, doesn't have anything to do with how safe you are or you are not. It is your partner has a particular set of needs. Now, can you while still maintaining your authenticity, uh, show up for those needs and say, okay, um, these kinds of sexual interactions are off the table. Um, and then these kinds of sexual interactions we need to approach very carefully. 
in these kinds of sexual interactions, we can connect with, with a lot more comfort and a lot more freedom. Um, and so how can I pay attention to all of those in the recognition that I care about my partner? I want them to feel safe and cared for. I, you know, I want them to be um, intimate with me in these ways that don't put them in a space where they're triggered. Um, and if you are the type of person who say no, a fundamental need that I have as a human being, value number one, is that I have to have these particular kinds of sexual interactions uh, irrespective of what my partner's needs are. Well, there's part of me that would say you're probably not healthy enough to be in a relationship mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of it is, uh, well, then your authenticity is being compromised. And mm -hmm. in such a situation, that might not be an appropriate relationship for you. And to the person who is in the midst of healing from a sexual trauma, I would say you don't need to be in a relationship with that person either. Mm -hmm. um, now, that's again, that's very broad strokes. And there could be all kinds of minutiae that might qualify how true those statements are. But that's the question that I think we want to entertain is to say, if your past is shaping your presence, we want to ask the question, how can we accommodate the needs that flow from that while still maintaining kind of our individual authenticity? We don't want to just say, oh, that's your past. I'm going to, you know, we don't have to, I don't have to honor that. I don't have to pay attention to that. Um, I think that that's a really um, selfish kind of approach. If it's fair for mm -hmm. me to say selfish, that's a pretty reductive word, but that's how I look at that. Yeah. And I think that you've kind of addressed some physical um past issues. I also think emotional things we carry in. So anything that you've been shamed about with words, anything you've been, you know, I, um, I know some women that were told they were lazy and worthless and fat and ugly and by prior partners. And that's deeply embedded in their belief about themselves. And, and this was somebody they loved telling them this stuff and they, it just kind of it became part of their story that they play in their brain. And, and so then in future relationships, anything that is a nod toward unproductiveness mm -hmm. brings up all of this shame of being lazy. And, and so, um, I think that also looking at, you know, what emotional assault have I been under and what, what was I told about myself that might not be true? Mm -hmm. And, and how is how am I bringing that into this relationship? And also for the partner to recognize, oh, if I say something about how much she got done today, that is an area of shame from her prior life. And I need to be very careful with my words to not re-wound that. Um, so I see a lot in my practice, I see a lot of emotional mm -hmm. shaming that has been done, especially because I see mostly women. And um, and actually, I have a, a couple men that were treated badly by mothers that carry this in too. Mm -hmm. So the more I think about it, I think that that um, shame story that you bring into the next relationship really needs to be put into the light and in a conversation with your current partner of, look, before I was made to feel these things and feel this way. And when you say X, Y, and Z, that sounds to me like you're saying I'm lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the understanding what those triggers are, um, knowing each other's stories, that that I think speaks to the value of things like premarital counseling, of you know having these kinds of conversations mm -hmm. um, early on. One of the things that um, I always do when I um, help people through premarital counseling, or if there's any kind of um, sexual dysfunction in a relationship that's been going on for a while, I try to have the conversation around like 
what are all the things that have informed who you are today? Mm-hmm. And that extends to what are all the things that you've been taught about how to manage your emotional experience? Um, what are all the different things that you carry with you? Because um, I think that the broad lesson, I think, of what we're talking about today is that your past absolutely informs who you are. It absolutely informs your relationship. And your ability to pay attention to it individually, but also in your relationship, is what gives you the flexibility to decide this part of my past, I still want to mm-hmm. shape who I am today. In this part of my past, I want to actively try to find a way to challenge. Um, I think one of the things that I struggle with most in trying to help people understand, and I'll say freely that I, I don't often know how fair it is of me to ask, but when I see people in relationships and they've been in a relationship for a long time and somebody has been neglectful, somebody has been uh, not showing up, not being present, or maybe actively behaving in ways that are abusive or unkind, um, but then they show up to my office and their goal is to try to be on the same page. They're trying to reconcile. They're trying to restore. Um, well, that past behavior is really hard to help people move past in the present. Mm-hmm. So someone will say, you know, you're you're sitting here telling me that you're going to do all these things. You're going to talk to me more often. You're going to be more attentive to my needs. You're going to be more receptive to my emotional experience. But you haven't been doing that for 30 years. So what basis do I have to go on? Um, now, because I operate in this unique space of couples counseling, part of what I say is like, let's just take each other's word for it, you know, and ultimately mm-hmm. it could bear out that that is not a valid level of engagement, that that mm-hmm. person might not actually be committed to those kinds of changes. Um, but for those changes to have any meaningful, um, the analogy that I'm thinking of is like, if they're going to fall on fertile soil, that soil needs to be receptive. That's full, mm-hmm. The people on the other end of that need to say, okay, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, what I always tell people is, you know, if they've been married for 20 years, I say, you've been doing it wrong for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so today is the day where you start doing it right. So both people need to show up with some measure of receptivity to we're going to try to do this right moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, in that, I kind of have to ask myself too, like, is bringing this up helpful or harmful? Mm. You know, and a lot of times bringing up the past is harmful. It's not helpful, Um, especially when you get to a point where you're describing of we're trying to move forward, we're trying to move on. And so it's almost like you have to make a deal with one another that just Mm -hmm. says, okay, let's leave that in the past. Let's quit keeping score. Let's quit the comparisons and let's just say how we're go let's you know cast the future for ourselves how are we going to behave going forward and and so I think there is a richness in learning from the past but one of the things I see us get really stuck in is that we can't move out of it and Mm -hmm. we can't you know we can't imagine that we're not carrying those bags along with us everywhere we go and and setting them down can be really liberating but it can also be scary because the future is a very unknown way of being this is this is the way of being we know and we're comfortable with it even though we don't like it um and but i i find in my practice lately i've been doing a lot of like future self kind of work of like who do you want to be what do you mm-hmm. want to become let's let's design your life so that you're living that and how are you going to when you are that and what is what are traits that that person has and how you know what do you feel when you think about becoming this person and and that's I think we can apply that to our relationships like what do we want to be together and let's cast Mm -hmm. that vision of our future and we want to be 
with somebody who understands our past and what our triggers might be and where our shame might reside. Um, but we also want to be a couple who doesn't keep score and doesn't keep reminding us of, of mistakes and, and allows us freedom to continue learning and growing and, and becoming a team. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's almost like we want people to be super together. Oh my gosh. Like being, <laughs> being the super version of themselves together. and doing that together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as we're talking about this, I think that one of the, probably the most obvious iteration of this, and you alluded to this in what you were just saying is, you know, um, bringing up that thing that happened six months ago mm-hmm. or that thing that happened three years ago mm-hmm. or some kind of hurt that we hold on to. And there is not a better pitch in my mind for open and honest, consistent communication than that kind of issue that comes up Mm -hmm. pretty regularly with folks. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are engaged in communication every single day, then those kinds of past hurts, they're dealt with in the present. It's something where it's like, hey, you hurt me in this way. Let's have a conversation about how this unfolded Um, as opposed to um, okay, you hurt me, but I'm going to hang on to it for a little while. And maybe in like six months, this will circle back around when I have some more supporting evidence. Um, so trying to be really intentional about having those conversations in the present, I think, keeps the past um, from sort of gaining steam as um, a potential stressor. Yeah, I think one of your comments of like, um, you know, let's just decide we're going to trust each other. We're going to, we're going to give each other a shot. I think that that kind of comes back to me too. Um, because the title we don't use on the show is that I am a pastor and I am seminary trained. Um, but this idea of, do you accept God's unconditional love kind of comes up in relationships a lot too. Like, is it hard for you to be shown grace and to, um, not feel like you have to work at it or be score kept, um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, be judged and, um, reminded of your failures. You know, that's, that's bad theology. Um, and so you could kind of check in and how you relate to each other, I think is a mirror, a little bit of how you relate to God. And, and if we really believe in unconditional love and grace, then we are, you know, need to be living into that in every relationship. And so I think the past is a really big opportunity to, um, show grace and compassion for what somebody's been through, but also let them off the hook going yeah. forward. Yeah. We'll have to start doing like a theology alert <laughs> when um, when you start talking about God and stuff. Like I'm totally on board. I have a tattoo that says Christ in you, but some people um, might not. Yeah, just like, theology alert, theology alert, theology I, alert. I'm yeah. good with that too, because yeah. I've been in and out of it my whole life. Sure. <laughs> well, I think, Ginger, you got anything else on the past and how we can... Uh, let that show up in our relationships or keep it from showing up in problematic ways? I think just everyone be aware, self-aware and aware of the dynamic going on between you and your partner and, um, or your friend. You know, we, we often talk in, um, romantic relationships, I think on our podcast, but these are all, this also applies to your friendships and we wound each other in, in, in friendships that we need to be super aware of too. Yeah, Absolutely. Super Together is produced by Ginger Rothis, Melody Rowell, and me, James Cochran. To learn more about our work and to get connected with us and other folks trying their best to make relationships work, check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Super Together Podcast. 
You can connect with other listeners, engage with me and Ginger, and help us identify relevant topics for the show. If you want to submit a listener voicemail, give us a call at 913-428-9729. We had to skip that segment this week because we didn't have a listener voicemail to listen to. Um, If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to Super Together. It really does help new people get connected with us. We'll be back next week. And until then, be well. well.